RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. This month, we welcome the college's new president. Based in the New South Wales Regional Centre of Wagga Wagga since 1992, Associate Professor Karen Fielding has been a role model to younger surgeons working in rural areas. She was the first woman in New South Wales to become an orthopaedic surgeon and only the third in Australia. On top of everything else she does, she's also an Associate Professor with the University of Notre Dame. Prior to her appointment as RAC's President, she'd been involved with the RAC's Council, which she admits has been a huge learning curve. Chris Ashmore asks Associate Professor Fielding what her highlights on the council have been. I think the thing that's been a highlight for me is actually learning about RACs and how we do things, how we train doctors and surgeons and how we engage with all the different specialties. It's a very complex organisation and the subspecialties all have a lot of expertise in training. So that's been a very interesting learning curve for me. I think that the biggest highlight for me was when I was asked to chair the new rural health equity strategy from the council. There are several rural councillors and I was really humbled to be asked to chair that group. So that's our major strategy moving forward to look at rural health equity and to start planning training in rural sites. And that's a big step for the college because rural training is really a bit more about generalism and we've become very subspecialised in surgery. And so it's a real step out of the comfort zone of the college, if you like, to start looking at generalism again after all these years. So the Rural Health Equity Strategy has been a huge success so far and we've been talking to lots of people around the country and to government and we've actually been very successful at gaining several million dollars worth of funding for projects funded by the federal government to look at training in rural sites. So that, that's been my greatest, I guess, achievement, but fantastic kind of teamwork from the rural health group at the college. So that, that's probably been the highlight so far. But just the whole business of being involved in that organisation has been, for me, fantastic. Learning, you know, meeting lots of other people, meeting lots of other specialists, because we do get very siloed in medicine. We, you know, I've been an orthopaedic surgeon for a long time and a rural one at that. And so meeting lots of people from other specialties and then starting to cross-fertilise information, plastic surgeons, neurosurgeons, cardiac surgeons that you don't tend to cross paths with as much in your practice. Absolutely. Now, congratulations on being elected as RAX's next president. What does the role of president mean to you? A lot of work. (laughs) A lot of uh, pro bono work. Um, I'm very humbled to have been voted in as the next president. I, I was very shocked, actually, because I really didn't think that the council would vote in another female president. So to have two in a row is huge for RACs. You know, I'm only the third female, the first Australian trained and the first female orthopaedic president and the first female orthopaedic rural president. So it's exciting. I am very humbled. And honestly, I think it was an enormous endorsement from our council for a rural surgeon in particular, having had my role as the chair of the Rural Health Equity Strategy. And so I feel like it's an enormous endorsement of the work that we've been doing and the work that we need to do to push this forward. 
Well, there's certainly uh, a lot on your plate, but what are your key priorities going to be when you do start the role as president? We're actually going through, like many colleges at the moment, we're going through a time of great change and uh, issues with sustainability for our colleges. Many of our colleges have suffered greatly through COVID. We're a membership organisation, so we don't have massive funding. So we rely heavily on our members to support the organisation. And look, a lot of our core business is training, and that's quite expensive to deliver excellent quality training to the specialists of our countries. So I think the sustainability issues are very important and part of that will be a restructure of our board and that requires uh, enormous amount of work on the governance of our organisation. So that'll be one of the major priorities. The other priority which is tied into that is to improve the engagement with the subspecialties. So the college is the overarching body that looks after all the accreditation of surgical training in Australia. But over the years, those societies of all the different specialties in surgery have become quite independent in their roles in training. And that's great. And they have an amazing history and knowledge and ability to, to produce excellent quality surgeons. But the college itself is the overarching body that is accredited by the AMC to carry on training. And so what's really needed is better engagement with those societies to work together better so that we have a bit more consistency across the groups for the trainees, for the training and for things, particularly the non-technical things that are really important, like the big project that we've done on bullying and sexual harassment that needs to be embedded into our programs. Things like cultural competency that need to be really well embedded into our programs. Professionalism. So the non-technical skills, we're very good at teaching technical skills. And we have a, a big list of competencies outside of technical skills that we do teach, but I think we can do that better. And I think we can do it better together. Absolutely. And aside from those issues, what are you hoping to achieve in your tenure? Well, I think if we can achieve that, <laughs> if we can achieve a governance change and a new board structure and we can achieve better engagement with the societies, that will be huge. I would not expect that we will get all of that done in a year or two. I think to get the college on the pathway will be big. I think the other thing that's really important is better engagement, particularly with our younger fellows, so the new surgeons coming through, who will continue the legacy of excellence in surgery in Australia. They're a really important group. And, you know, they're coming into a career where there's problems in the system. The health system is in crisis at the moment with workforce shortages in nursing and allied health. We've got long, long waiting lists for many operations. So patients are really suffering. So these younger fellows need support and they need to be engaged in the processes at RACS so that they can take that legacy of excellence in surgery forward. So I think a, a lot more support for the younger fellows. I haven't quite worked out how we're going to do that yet, but we need to be working with them more and trying to support them. Ideas like dual contracts so that the government's looking at giving uh, young doctors that are in the city, young specialists in the city, an appointment in rural so that they can do a bit of both because we do have lots and lots of younger surgeons in the cities that haven't got appointments. 
in public hospitals. So our workforce is maldistributed and a lot of them haven't got public appointments and they, there's a lot of service that they can give to our communities. And a lot of that's to do with the structure of the health services in our country. So a lot of advocacy required at government level to improve those systems and support our younger doctors. Now, anyone who knows you knows that you have a passion for rural surgery. Can you tell me about that and how you plan to address the challenges, the unique challenges faced by rural surgeons in your role as president of RACS? So I've been chairing this rural health equity group and that work is about training young surgeons in rural areas. So our plan for the next two years is to start training in rural so that the trainees can do at least 60 to 70% of their training in a rural site. So the idea is that we have, we know that people that are born and live in rural sites that then go to medical school, and particularly if they do medical school in a rural site, and then they do junior doctor time in a rural site, are much more likely to stay in a rural site for the length of their profession. But we don't train them in rural sites. So at the moment, most trainees will spend up to a year in a rural site and that's all. And so we have about 30 plus percent of our young doctors coming out of medical school that have identified that they would like to work rurally. But then we send them to the city and we train them in the city. Sadly, they often meet someone in the city and they end up staying in the city. So we are turning our rurally focused trainees into urban focused trainees. And that's because our training programs have been very metrocentric and for good reason. You know, a lot of the rural sites were underserviced and underdeveloped. But that's changed. You know, we have some very big rural and regional sites now that can well manage training. For example, in Wagga, we have four accredited registrars in Wagga in orthopaedics that come here and do a year, but they could do a lot more than a year here. They could spend quite a bit more time here and become a rural surgeon, but they come for one year and then they go back to the city. And so it's very difficult to get them back when they're ensconced in urban life. You know, their partners are in the city, they have the partners have jobs, they have children in the city. So it is very difficult to get someone to move back to the country when they're in their mid-30s. So the idea is to keep them here, to select rural people onto our training program, so to give them points for having grown up and lived in rural, having done medical school in rural. So that's for the selection and then doing a lot of the training in rural and then sending them back to the city just for short terms for some of those super specialties that they might need to do. The other mindset change is people think there is a significant problem with, I like a term that the psychiatrists use called geographical narcissism. And uh, there is a bit of anti-rural culture where people think if you're not very good, you end up in the country. And if you're really good, you end up in a an ivory tower in a metropolitan town. Now, there's lots of evidence now that rural surgery is of equal quality to that in the city. And we're very sensible rural surgeons. We don't tackle stuff that we can't manage. And there's stuff we can't manage. We need to know what the capacity of our site is, what we can handle, what kind of nursing capability we have, and so on. So we're very good at figuring out what needs to go to the city and what doesn't. But there's plenty of very good evidence in the literature to show that rural surgery is of equal quality to that in the city. So we need to reverse that cultural problem, that that anti-rural culture, 
We need to change the mindset. So that's another reason why I'm so humbled by my colleagues to have been voted into this position because I think people like me who can talk at meetings and explain and show the research and, and show the evidence that our work is as good is very important to try and change that culture. So the other thing that's really important is that rural surgeons are really generalists. So when I'm on call, I look after children, I look after geriatric patients, I look after patients right through the whole of the span of life, and then I also look after conditions right around the body. So last week, for example, I uh, fixed a clavicle fracture, I did multiple hand and wrist fractures, lots of finger injuries, I did several hip replacements, I did a spinal operation, I did a fractured tibia and a couple of foot fractures. So I went right around the body doing work on trauma patients that needed to be fixed up on a week on call. So a week on call in a, in a rural side is very different look to a week on call in a city where you would have different surgeons doing different parts of the body in orthopedics, for example, because of their super specialties. So it's a different type of practice being a rural surgeon to being a super specialist in the city where you might just do knee surgery or you might just do hip surgery. Um, in the country, you need to have a broad scope of practice. You need to be very aware of the capabilities of your site. You need to be very aware of your own capabilities and you need to have really good support mechanisms from your urban colleagues to help you manage some of those things. So often we'll call a friend, send an x-ray to the city, ask what they advise, get some advice, sometimes send the patient away if need be. But um, it's a very different type of practice to, to being in the city. So that's the other thing that we need to concentrate on when we're training these doctors in rural is to look at the scope of practice and teach them how to manage that scope and to work out what they can and can't do. Will you be spending more time at Spring Street in Melbourne now that you're the president? Does it take you away too much from Wagga? Look, I will be spending more time in Melbourne, but considering our sustainability measures and considering that I'm a rural surgeon, I really want to try and make some changes to the way we work. And I think that it's very difficult for rural surgeons to get away to as many meetings. And during COVID, we realised that we can do a lot more work online. And sometimes you do need to see people. Sometimes you do need to be face to face. But there's a lot of work that we can do online. Look, I think it's better for all of our mental health. We're not traveling as much. We're near our families. We're at home. You sleep in your own bed. My dog gets a walk. Uh, <laughs> so it's much better for our health and it's better for the planet. Let's face it. You know, we can fly around all over the place. And a lot of people think that's very fancy, you know, flying around, staying in hotels. But I would prefer to be home. And, uh, and I still have a practice, still running a practice, be it a half time. I'll probably only have time to do half the work I was doing before, which is okay. I'm prepared for that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try and do as much as I can from home. And the, and the other thing is the flights are not very good from Wagga to Melbourne. We have very restricted flights, and you may have heard Rex has reduced their flights even more just recently, so that could be a real issue. So I will try and do as much as I can, but there are some really important meetings coming up this year 
There's a tri-state meeting between WA, South Australia and Northern Territories, which is going to have a big focus on Indigenous health that I'm going to go to. And we have another very important meeting in Tasmania, which is AIDA, the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association. And I'm really very passionate about Indigenous health because it is really bad. And we have a big Indigenous population in Wagga and have a lot of Indigenous patients, and I really want to advocate for them. So I'll definitely be going to those meetings because I think that's really important advocacy work. But, yes, I will try and do as many meetings as I can online. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we go, big question, final question, Professor Fielding, what do you see for the future of surgery in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand? Look, I think we have many challenges moving forward. I think it's really important for RACS and the council at RACS and obviously the president and vice president to advocate very much on behalf of our people. We need to advocate for patients and patient safety. We've got major problems at the moment with waiting lists and, as you've heard, the rural equity issues and our Indigenous patients in particular who are not getting access to care. So I think our major challenge is advocacy with the government and the states, both governments. New Zealand is in particular trouble at the moment with their restructure of their health system. So I think that's a real challenge over the next few years. We've all been really affected by COVID. The waiting lists and the issues that are happening are very serious. Our workforce is a problem. We have a huge nursing shortage. Our profession is a team sport. We need everybody involved to do our work. And so, you know, we need to advocate on behalf of many people in the system that are involved in what we do. Sustainability is an issue for all of us. All our colleges lost money from COVID. We all had investment portfolios that went down the tube. So that's a bit of an issue. But I think we can deal with that. I think we can deal with the financial issues. I think the advocacy for patients is a bigger issue. And I think the health systems are in a bit of crisis at the moment. So there's a lot of work to do there. There's a few other issues that are simmering away, like the cosmetic surgery issue. We really want to advocate for patient safety. The patient is the centre of this discussion. And so it's extremely important in all the work we do that we maintain that focus on the patient and try and do the best that we can for the people of our countries. Associate Professor Karen Fielding. RAC's Post-Op Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.